Noon straight up every Tuesday, we talk to our friend Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston Patriots Insider. Tommy is brought to us by Leonard Hare and by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com. We go to the Harbor One hotline and welcome Tommy Curran. Tommy, good afternoon. How are you? Hello, Andrew. Hello, Richard. Hello. Um, Happy to have you back, buddy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Appreciate That's, that. Yeah, you were missed last week. Uh-huh. He's uh, at home with little bundle. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, the Patriots quarterback situation is interesting. What's crazy is, Tom, the only thing we think we do know is, is that Mac Jones ain't going to be back in the next couple of weeks. Bailey Zappi had to play. Brian Hoyer's dealing with a concussion. Who knows where he's at in the protocol. If everything is even, Steven, is Bailey Zappi going to get the call over Brian Hoyer on Sunday? I would doubt it if everything was even, Steven. I think you're uh, positing that if Brian Hoyer was full go and Bailey Zappi was full go, who would start? I would imagine it would be Brian Hoyer. Uh, and, and I think it should be. Again, if they're both full go, you know, you look at Bailey Zappi, hats off, kudos, salutes, everything necessary. But he was 10 for 15 for 99 yards. The game was extremely well managed for him by by Matt Patricia. And this is not to say that the arc of Bailey Zappi's career is not positive. But he's just not ready to quarterback an NFL team for an extended period by choice, in my estimation. Well, what did you think of how he was used by the end of the game? Because I know there's obviously, hey, this is, you know, kind of a surprise. You're thrown in there due to injury. You're in Lambeau Field. You're going up against Aaron Rodgers. Got to get your feet wet. But by the end of the game, they had some opportunities, and they felt pretty content to just kind of manage it or or tried not to lose. I guess specifically in overtime, what did you think of those decisions by the play callers, not necessarily the player? Let's stick with that third and five. I think that's the main one. That third and five where they had an opportunity near midfield. Had they treated that as two down territory, maybe they run the ball and they are obviously an effective running team. God bless them for that. It's a sea change from what we saw in the summer. Be that as it may. Yes. If you turn that into a two down situation, maybe you're looking at fourth and two, but they on third and five decide to try and throw. They had a great plan. They had a great play scripted up. Hunter Henry came available. But Zappi, again, showing that he's where he is because of how young he is, he ducked out of that. And he was not in a position to throw the football when Hunter Henry came out of his break, had space, and could have been hit on a crosser that would have gained them the first down. So now it's fourth and five. Do you want to run it back and be 11 feet from Aaron Rodgers putting them in field goal position, which he ultimately did anyway? Or do you want to punt it away? So to me, those are kind of the concrete examples we're talking about. Again, hats off to the performance. Mm -hmm. But remember, too, that Hoyer was 5 for 6 for 37 yards or whatever and brought the team down the field for a scoring opportunity in his time out there. And that was just in 10 minutes of play in 16 plays. He would be the option. Now, you mentioned Hunter Henry in there. It was uh, the target in overtime. Whether it's Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, or Bailey Zappi, nobody's throwing him the ball. What do you think's going on with Henry this year in this offense? 
I don't think that they know offensively how to take advantage of the weapons that they have because of the way they're pivoting and because of the emergence of the running game and their need to try and play games in a different way each week. You know, the concentration on Devontae Parker and taking shots that we saw against Baltimore, really against Miami and um, and Pittsburgh too, you know, those shot plays have resulted in turnovers, which deprive you of plays down the road that you would have otherwise had. But if you look at, there's 43 receptions total between Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, and Devontae Parker. And that's through a combined 40 games. 43 receptions for a combined 40 games hmm. for that group. So, is that right? Uh, five, four games. You really did a lot of numbers nah. here. Five, four games, 20 games, 20 games. <laughs> okay. Again, English major, not a <laughs> math guy. Right. There you go. Uh, Tom be Kirk. that as it may, Bottom again, line, that's the good. second be that as it may. <laughs> yes. It ain't off the charts. No, it's not. And that's $28 million worth of salary spent right. on those guys. Right, right. Do you blame them, Gresh? Do you blame the Hunter Henrys and the Nelson Aguilar's and the Devontae Parkers for not being available? Hard to – now, John Smith a little different, but in terms of Hunter Henry, it's hard to rail on the guy when he's got nine targets in four games this year. I mean – and he's blocking left and right once Janu gets hurt. We asked him yesterday. We were like, hey, how about your role in the offense? And he gave us the, hey, I'm just trying to execute what's asked of me. He sounded miserable, by the he way. Did, he yeah. did not sound <laughs> like a – well, no. Tommy, are we getting the Bill Belichick, Mac Jones – dog and pony show this week or has that ship sailed and was that just one week of vaudeville for everybody to chuckle at i don't think it's going to be that resolved your initial question about all things being equal i thought bill belichick's friday commentary regarding mac jones and invoking the name of ty montgomery was very interesting because ty montgomery as we know was injured in the final preseason game and he was able to start the first game of the season, regardless of how that ended for Ty, who is a running back slash wide receiver. Um, <laughs> right. I'm only chuckling because of, if he, I'm only chuckling because of the regardless how it ended. You might have risked injury by going out there, but he played week one, so we like you. Not saying you, but in the organization. Well, he played week one, but he also had a pretty quick injury from an ankle situation that he had to be carted from the field on. So if Bill was mentioning Ty Montgomery in that context, he's saying, hey, this might not be as bad as we thought it was initially. You remember Rob Gronkowski in 2015 in the snow at Denver? He got hit in the knee, I think. And he looked like a salmon just got thrown <laughs> into a boat. He was flopping all over the place. Oh, no, he's gone for the year. He missed a game and he was back. Mm. I think sometimes the initial reaction can be pretty profound because of the way something feels. And then they may feel as if well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Not that it doesn't hurt a lot to make that reaction plausible, but for Bill to mention the Ty Montgomery thing, I think is instructive. For about four years in a row, I feel like we asked about uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's relationship and what that was like. Any idea as to the Bill Belichick, Mac Jones relationship, especially after this last week? What I'm gathering is it's very positive. And I think Mike Giardi and Albert Breer both did a good job on reporting that as the week went along, the discussion over how to proceed dissipated because 
apparently the injury is not as dire as it seemed in terms of having to consider the tightrope surgery or anything else. So that initial reaction of, hey, severe high ankle sprain, and Adam Schefter reporting that surgeries in the cars, I think both sides were able to stand down on whether or not they were going to draw the lines on encouraging surgery or rebuffing surgery. But what's so hard about being able to interpret relationships with quarterbacks these days is the quarterback is one entity, but the corporation around the quarterback, whether it be trainers, advisors, agents, body coaches, family, they may have a different relationship and interest than the absolute, than the actual individual who's interacting with his employer on a daily basis. So my feeling is Mac and Bill are in a good spot. I don't think he loves meeting Mac. The situation that he finds himself in offensively this year, but I do think that he is very much stiff upper lifted to a point where you can't say he's pushing back. I think he takes it as a reality for 2022 as opposed to saying, this sucks, I want out, they don't know what they're doing. Tommy Curran of NBC Sport Boston with Gresham, Gresham Keefe, excuse me, here on the Harbor One Hotline. How does Mac's injury stifle the development of Matt Patricia as an offensive coordinator? Keefe and I were talking about it earlier. Kind of feels like we're in managing mode with whatever quarterback is in there versus Mac being in there and everybody kind of growing together. I think this is a great opportunity for Patricia to actually grow some because he's going to have to be more creative and he may have to employ more things for Bailey Zappi and Brian Hoyer than he was with Mac Jones. Phil Perry and I talked about it at length. The amount of play action the Patriots had run with Mac Jones under center was minuscule. They were last in the league. Well, on Sunday, they ran more play action, both with Hoyer and with Bailey Zappi. The RPO that Mac Jones has lobbied for that still has been non-existent in the offense they we saw a little bit of it and we may continue to see more of it so I think it's a good opportunity for Patricia to start to add some things to the way he's going to call the game and employ it when Mac Jones comes back I actually really think this is a good opportunity and and Phil Perry and I talked about this on our podcast for the Patriots to really try and get back to their DNA of look we're not going to beat ourselves we're not going to take shot plays, certainly, with Bailey Zappi the way we were with Mac Jones. So let's get back to playing crisp, smart, special teams, being a disciplined, well-coached team that doesn't beat itself because they really haven't been that. Do you guys agree with that since last? And we saw it really a lot in 2021. But really down the stretch, they were not a team that you would say is disciplined and doesn't beat itself. No, and that was one of my takeaways yesterday was that maybe they will be more – they won't take as many chances, right? They won't do the 50-50 ball stuff. They're going to try to manage the game, which can work both ways, right? You could say, all right, we're in it. We didn't turn it over, but did you punt on the 50-yard line? Did you, you know, never go for it on fourth down? Like, you could, can you be too conservative, I think, might be an issue. And then maybe there is a balance. It's a find. shrinking your margin of error yep. too much by right. being too conservative yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah, but it'll be – What sucks about that is, though – as we were just talking about with the five guys I mentioned who are collecting a combined $28 million in salary this year, there's pressure to employ those guys and use those employees sure. rather than as blockers. So right. it's, it's kind of a conundrum. Now, I don't know uh, if you have a relationship at all with Bill Simmons or not, but Bill Simmons had a report that he heard Robert Kraft really likes Bailey Zappi. 
I don't know if you can uh, confirm, deny, or if you have any kind of uh, intel on that. I get along great with Bill. Okay. I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> oh, yeah, we we weren't sure where you that came from. But... Quarterbacks. Have yeah. we yet to see a quarterback that Robert Kraft doesn't like? Well, thank you. That was, that was my point, That's is that he, he liked Kevin O'Connell, apparently, too. Was he a big Ryan Mallett guy? Well, I remember that. I, I mean, well, there's a, there's a point where I draw the line. He, he didn't like Garoppolo. <laughs> he kicked his ass out of town. <laughs> <laughs> now that was all Robert Kraft now. Yeah, right. uh, Tommy, what did you make of the comments of Jack Jones after the game about uh, the whole, hey, you throw an out route on me, I feel it's disrespectful? Sounds like a guy who's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. Because <laughs> he's going to be jumping. He's Do we have a Sante Samuel 2.0 on our hands? Yeah, or uh, not Stephon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, just Trayvon Diggs. Get a bunch of picks. Don't worry about the touchdowns and the yards. I got a bunch <laughs> yeah. of picks. I think this coach it, here might look at that a little differently uh, than Mike might. McCarthy might. He might. But you might have a, a changing philosophy, especially if you look at your defense. But they do want to have people back. And make sure that if you're going to be jumping routes, that you are covered, and it's okay to jump that route, especially if you have no over-the-top help. Um, but I mean, whether it's J.C. Jackson or Malcolm Butler or Asante Samuel, those kinds of corners, as opposed to the Stefan Gilmore or Darrell Revis shutdown type corners, they do the job differently, and, and they have to make different plays. I didn't hate what he said. I mean, it's a little eye popping, but if you're going to bring that to the field and you really believe it and you're not talking yourself into it and then going, I hope they don't throw it me, then go ahead, have it, have a day, kid. Are you ready for the uh, Matt Patricia revenge game coming up on Sunday? The uh, Detroit Lions, say what you want about them. They have played an entertaining style of football this year. It is an entertaining <laughs> brand. It's also a Bill Belichick revenge game. Dan Campbell, of course, getting the win in 2015 nice. for the Patriots. Had to have it at the end of the season, and we're not able to secure that win. So, yeah, a lot of revenge going on this weekend. The real loser in uh, Sunday's game, old lady Ford, who's paying her coach to maybe lose and another coach on the other side to maybe beat him. Ageism, but you're exactly right. Well, that's true, but I'm not wrong. I think once you're over 90, I think it's okay. Anyway, Tommy Curran of NBC. Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy, thank you, friend. We appreciate it. All right, guys, take care.